right then. Yeah. So, uh, here we are recording our Buffy podcast, finally. Take two. Um, take two. Yeah, we have to admit that, um, well, I mean, I blame you because it was your birthday. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, I mean, if we were, if we were being honest with ourselves, it was always going to happen that way. It was always <laughs> going to happen. So anyway, sorry, we're, we're getting off topic and we haven't even started, guys. Um, this is, uh, Sadie and Oshville Patrol tonight, I imagine. Is that yeah. what we're calling it? Yeah. I like that title. <laughs> okay. I think it's cute. Um, we tried to start this, uh, two weeks ago on Sadie's birthday, um, and uh, we, I wouldn't say we failed. I think we succeeded in a lot of ways. I mean, our main intention had always been to watch Buffy together and have fun talking about it. And we did that. We, really... we just did it while like supremely pissed. So, so <laughs> drunk. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're, 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 we're going we're gonna, to, we're, we're going again. We're going to loosely follow some of the same themes, but with the... With the same spontaneity that you will come to know and love from us. And I would say that the chat part went really well last time. It was just that the recording quality part didn't go so well. The recording quality part <laughs> didn't go so well. Also, there were some coherence issues. Like, um, yeah. do you know, like whenever I went off in my rant about like Angel being, you know, a Protestant colonist of Ireland, like <laughs> it didn't need to be 15 minutes long, you know? Like, <laughs> it, that long. it didn't feel that long. So, We've spoken a lot since then, though, about balancing spontaneity and charm versus um, listenability. <laughs> um, so anyway, as a treat, it's gonna uh, be a journey. I think I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna go again. We're gonna go from the start, but um, we will maybe just be we'll we'll drop in a few a few um, a few golden moments uh, from our first try. From our drunken escapades. And and maybe, you know, in the future for Patreon subscribers, we'll give you the whole <laughs> the whole three hour episode. Was it three hours? Uh, it was two and a half, but you know. Oh, wow. That's a long time. Yeah, it was pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So um, first things first, uh, the first time we watched Buffy. The first time we watched Buffy was... In our well, the first time you watched Buffy was in nineteen ninety seven. Yes, uh, I was uh, seven years old, and and Buffy was live. I was there. I was there, like Vietnam. I was there, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was. Um, it was actually, I didn't see the first episode. I saw the fourth episode, which was Teacher's Pet. Giant Prey Mantis. Giant Prey Mantis, yeah. exactly. Xander is a virgin. Uh, there was a lot of the word virgin. I uh, was the son of chefs, so I didn't mm -hmm. actually know what it meant other than uh, to do with olive oil. <laughs> um, that must have been a really confusing connection for you to make, because, you know, because, I mean, even, like, later on when the word virgin comes up as being, like, a social stigma kind of thing, I still don't know what the connection is between the olive oil and uh, not having had sex. Uh, well, I mean, I guess you, like, 
you like squeeze <laughs> the olives. It's like how much you press the olives, right? I guess so. I don't. I like, mean, I don't know. I'm not the son of chefs, so. How much have you been pressed, and that's your <laughs> your virginity level, or something? So I think it's like the more you press them, the more bitter they get, which is true of us all. Oh! Oh wow! <laughs> No, sorry, that's all the sex negativity in Buffy because I'm rewatching it. I've just internalized <laughs> it. <laughs> um, and I was hooked immediately. And uh, I was far too young to get any of the jokes or anything, but it was about monsters and strong women, which I, mm. I had a thing for as a child. Uh, and as Buffy an adult. and the Space Girls. And Spice Girls, Lara Croft, featured mm -hmm. as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's where it's all started. And then I, I was obsessed. Uh, I, I, I say the past tense. I am obsessed You've been Buffy. consistently obsessed with Buffy for how many years? 23? Coming on 24, I guess. Wow, that's a long time. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a Zoomer's lifespan, you know? Like that's it, longer than most relationships. I know, right? I mean, the vast majority of relationships. Um, but when I met you, you hadn't seen it. No. So the first time I watched Buffy, um, and the reason we tried to start recording this podcast <laughs> on my birthday, um, on my 23rd birthday... Um, we started watching Buffy together and it was when we lived in our insanely cheap flat on Zucky Hall Street. How cheap was it? It was, I think we paid about a hundred and something quid each. I think it was a hundred and thirty. And this was not in the 80s. <laughs> no, no, this was in a time when our rent should have been maybe three times that. Yeah, so we had this insanely, insanely cheap flat. It was it was partly cheap because we were crowding far too many of us into it. <laughs> no that. And we didn't have central heating and we had to, remember <laughs> the remember heating. the bath trick? We Yeah, we didn't have a shower um, and we also didn't have a boiler that was big enough to fill the bath. So in order to have a bath, which to be fair to us, we did try and do most days. Uh -huh. um, you had to fill the bath, then try and find a way to cover the bath to like preserve the heat while the boiler heated again. And then fill the other half of the bath. Um, we used to call it the sarcophagus. <laughs> sarcophagus was definitely a word I first learned on Buffy as well. Um, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> oh man, and it sounds like it was a really bad flat, but it was actually a lovely flat and it, it was, was like a really nice time of our lives in a way. It was a beautiful time of our lives. And, um... Um, but So the biggest pain in my life at that point was that I was um, studying, so I just started studying linguistics, uh, doing my masters, and then I hadn't realised that I was going to have to do a statistics class, um, which was maths, which I had always hated. And every night I came home really, really sad after, after a day of doing maths. And we would drink wine and watch Buffy. And yeah, we watched a fuck ton. Uh, <laughs> we watched so much. We watched it all so quickly. So quickly. I mean, there was... There's like 144 episodes, and we probably watched on average like three a night. Oh man, yeah, at least sometimes more. 
and uh, we had both... We've uh, probably stayed up to times of night that would now seem to be awful to us. (laughs) Unimaginable times of night watching Buffy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess guess the idea for doing the podcast goes back to then because you'd kind of suggested it, hadn't you? But, like, years later. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember what prompted me, but I think I was listening to a podcast where pals watch the thing together and you watch along with them. And I was like, oh, we should have done that with Buffy. That would have been great. I felt the moment had passed because mm. um, there, I mean, I think that there must be like about 15 Buffy podcasts, you know? And mm. I mean, God bless you all. Um, I don't listen to podcasts. Uh, I'm just making one. <laughs> 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 but I love that they exist. Um <laughs> And, uh, I mean, I guess as more recently, I came to the conclusion that maybe it's good that there's 15 Buffy podcasts because we don't have to worry about an audience to be beholden to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can just talk shite. And, and that's really <laughs> what it's about. <laughs> and if nobody else listens, then we will have a document of our friendship across distance during the pandemic. Exactly. Uh, so this is a love letter from Glasgow to Manchester. And right back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and we can't, yeah, we can't hang out in person just now. So this is a nice way for us to um, have directed enjoyment. <laughs> and and for, and for our listeners too, you know, join, too. join the party. Yeah, absolutely. So um anybody who is listening to this I, I would say it's probably vital that you watch along but with but you watch Buffy along with us right yeah whether you've seen it before or 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 not you know we, we've kind of agreed that we're um not gonna sort of we're gonna we're gonna talk episode by episode through all of it but we're not gonna give like um we're not gonna bore you with like a plot summary we're just gonna assume that by the time you're listening to this you've watched the episode right yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think in, in the best possible scenario, you will not be able to reconstruct the plot of an episode from yeah. our conversations. Yeah, we're really, we're really interested in uh, in the details more than <laughs> more than the plot. Yeah. So, um, if you haven't yet, then I would suggest uh, pausing now and going to listen to <laughs> going to watch the first episode, um, which is called "Welcome to the Hellmouth." Well, are we supposed to do like welcome? To, so, so, like you say welcome, now you say two. Oh, well, we could. Okay, try again, right? You go first. Okay, okay. welcome <laughs> to the Hellmouth. Oh, you got the best word to say. Oh no 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 no! Before we get there, uh huh. Before we get to the oh, fantastic. Okay. Uh, theme song by Nerf Herder mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have the cold open the cold o- is that what you call it is that the film term oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's the <laughs> that's 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 what we call it in the biz uh, so just the cold open um, yeah cold open obviously uh, Julie Benz, iconic Darla incredible it sets mm. up the theme of the show you think that I oh, remember you girl. introducing it to me by being like Watch this open. This is this is an iconic opening. God, I was insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, though. I'm insufferable now. I agree. Yeah. I think it's iconic. Okay, but no, my favorite thing now is um, see this bad boy she's with. Ah. Uh-huh. 
he's such a bad boy that he's like, let's go to the roof. You can see the whole town from there. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this bad boy is really into views. <laughs> It's not like, hey, let's go into the science uh, cupboard and steal the lithium and throw it into water so it'll explode. That's what we used to do. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, we we get like That's actually really naughty. I know, right? And (laughs) and you just throw the lithium into the into the seawater, and then it'd be like, bang. Um, and so there were some other ones that were like agrophobic as well. We knew all the ones that exploded in the water. So if that's what we did, real, you know, bad boy shit. Not like, oh, let's look at the beautiful view of California. Like, we were never that naughty. Like, we, I remember us being shown the lithium and potassium stuff in the class, but I don't remember us ever going and stealing it. I wish we'd thought of that. I mean, just need to clarify for you know my lawyers. I use an inclusive we you know uh yeah, yeah, who's yeah. to say uh, if that's my year group or <laughs> did you ever do that though i'm i have been present for the explosions yeah. that's all i'm willing to say oh i'm kind of jealous <laughs> that sounds like a great way to spend an evening can we like see now that we're adults can we just can buy we, potassium can we just buy potassium can I we mean, do that maybe we can <laughs> yeah, can I feel we, like we're we're maybe not taking good enough advantage of adulthood here. Can we, free, we can, can be we having potassium parties like every night? Can we like freebase the potassium from bananas or something? Uh, freebase. Yeah, you know, like when you, it's like if you buy like cough syrup, but you cook it down to get meth. Oh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I feel like yeah, we could. That would be really great at a house party, wouldn't it? Yeah. Just like getting some water and chucking some potassium in. <laughs> I think you've got to wear goggles, don't you? I remember wearing goggles. Um, but yeah, uh, it's just one of these moments in the show that really jars, but in a way that I absolutely love because it sort of it ages it in a very cute sort of way. I think the moments that jar are my favourite moments in Buffy and they're probably something I'm going to try and focus on quite a lot in my notes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are um, the inexplicable moments in Buffy the Vampire Slayer that I enjoy so much. On top of the gym, it's so cool. You can see the whole town. I started making notes um, and I think I'm going to do this for every episode. I like, I like this idea. I started making notes of a uh, inexplicable moments okay. <laughs> i think that goes down as one of them um his ponchon for uh views <laughs> another but like maybe you can explain this to me i don't know but there is a class so they're in class in this episode and the teacher is talking to them about the black death oh my god i it was, it's, I, I was, I was like, oh my, God. like we're in this plague. We're rewatching Buffy. They're yes. talking about the plague. Well, yes. So they're in this plague, and yeah, no, I had the same thing where I was like, Black Death, pandemic. We're watching Buffy during a pandemic, but also the teacher says to them, and maybe I misheard this. I don't know, but I think the teacher says, and the Black Death was an early form of germ warfare. I know this. Right. So, Tell me. Uh, my brother, who you know, uh, is <coughs> just this repository of like... Owen Keeley. Owen Keeley. Uh, so much information. 
always learning things and he likes podcasts i'm making a podcast i never listen to them he listens to <laughs> he listens to millions of them on like every single topic and stuff and um uh recently he's been really into the step people uh but anyway um he was telling me about this when we were at home because uh he was the talking step about people the step people like i think like genghis khan and like all that okay yeah um anyway he was talking about i think it's like Geneva, and i think it was the step people that did this and it's like what they would do is what basically the black plague they'd have these like bodies that would turn up dead and pussy and bulgy and bleh. um and when they realized that they were contagious what they would do is they would catapult them <gasps> into the city walls and i think it was like the city walls of like geneva or like some one of these that uh, somewhere that is now italy but before it was like loads of little statelets and stuff and you know they had big walls around the city and stuff and they would catapult these these dead bodies with the plague behind uh the walls uh in order to to kill people and to thin out their numbers so they could be better invaded Whoa! so and and yeah, I only learned that about like two weeks before watching that. So, so uh, that's not like a weird and explicable moment in the episode at all. That's just something I didn't know about. Yeah. In my defence, I feel like the teacher could have like given them a little bit more detail because she just said that to them. That's in their notes now, and then she just moved on to something else about the Black Death. Mhm, mhm. But uh, yeah, no. When she said that, I was like, I know this. I know this. As an early form of germ warfare. That's absolutely horrifying. I know, but I mean, it's it's fascinating, and and yeah. and I do have to say that uh, since we uh, since we did the last episode, um, it, it is important to note that Genghis Khan has been cancelled. Are you aware of this? I'm not aware of this. I don't yeah, spend as much time on Twitter as you. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's good that you don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, Genghis Khan has been cancelled. Um, Genghis Khan has been cancelled, so I just think it's it's very important for us to sort of, uh, I guess, just, just recognise that, recognise... What, what happened with Genghis? I mean, he was a warlord. <laughs> but what changed? Uh, I, I, you know, Twitter, uh, man, I don't know. But but what the, then the thing is, the person who cancelled Genghis Khan got cancelled themselves. Right, right. Because it turned out that she was a huge Hindu nationalist. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but anyway, you know, Genghis Khan invented uh, germ warfare, but, you know, maybe, maybe not a great guy. Mm. Just, mm. just putting mm. it out there. Uh... And I mean, to be fair, I say what changed, but like quite a lot of cancellations are like this person was terrible all along and we're mm-hmm. just talking about it now. <laughs> uh, which is a good point, which is a good point to discuss here, actually, because, um, you know, Buffy is not without its controversies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we're going to come at this from the point of view that, you know, um, not that it was in the 90s, therefore it doesn't matter, but it was in the 90s and I think we've probably had this conversation about it, you know, two, three or four times by now. So I feel like, the, you know, we, we've done that, we've processed the problematic elements of the show kind of as a, as a community, as a generation. And um, now we are here 
in this podcast to build on that by just going back to talking shite. <laughs> but if you're someone who's coming to this new and you're wondering what might be problematic about Buffy, Google what's problematic about Buffy. Yeah, exactly. You'll, you'll find some good stuff there. You'll yeah. find sources. Uh, you know, Google Joss Whedon. That'll be a fun time for you, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we will we will be pointing out things from time to time. But, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, but it's we're not... We're generally going to assume that you probably might already know some of what some of the problems with Buffy are. Mm-hmm. Without us laying out. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I guess, I mean, look, first episode, it, it does a lot of exposition doesn't it like i mean yes it's we meet everybody for the first time we meet everyone and you know that makes it a bit of an uneven episode but you know it it does the work it needs to do yeah so who do we meet sadie um do we need to know an order no just i feel like well, I mean, Buffy, let's, let's talk about our, our first impressions of everyone. You know, how do we feel they're introduced? You know, yeah, yeah. So I was very startled by how young Buffy looks in this. Oh episode. my god, she's she just looks so young. So like her face is just so like I just want to grab her cheeks. Young to the point of squishiness. Oh, so squishy, <laughs> so squishy. Like who's a cute I, little baby? <laughs> don't think I completely appreciated it. Uh, watching Buffy at 23, I think I just thought, yeah, she looks about, the well, right, about normal age. <laughs> maybe we were still a bit squishy back then, do you we know? Were pro- I think I was still quite, yeah, we were both quite squishy yeah. at 23. <laughs> but, you know, I think, like, so Sarah Michelle Gellar was a teenager. She was 19. Mm. Um, I think the other cast members ranged from, like, I don't know, like, 20 to, like, 28 or something. I feel like Xander was 40. Uh, <laughs> he looks much older than the others. Yeah. He really does. But uh, Christine Sutherland, who drives her daughter to school, uh, Joyce, uh-huh. uh, she was forty when that was recorded, I I believe. Uh, so about the same age as Xander. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but that, not that means that we are actually we're closer to Joyce uh, at this point in our lives than than we are to Buffy. Shocking! Absolutely shocking. Um, but you know, but I'm not. I'm not ashamed of that. I, uh... No, I, I actually feel that. Like I feel it when yeah. I when I see Joyce. When I see how much she tries. Yeah, yeah, I do. I feel. I feel. I feel. I mean, I feel closer to Joyce watching it at 31, um, as in Emma, um, after my birthday last week. Um, I feel closer to Joyce than I did at 23, mm-hmm. but like in good ways. You know, like I feel. I like if I like I feel proud to be closer in age to Joyce. Yeah, we should all be. Um, <laughs> like, I, you know, I want to grow towards her kind of wisdom and her prowess. And, um, and, we'll, and I don't, I don't want to be like the teenagers. You know? No, I mean, you, no one wants to be Xander. No, definitely not. Definitely <clears> not. <throat> I mean, the characters I gravitate towards most are definitely Joyce and Willow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Maternal. But, I mean, Willow's, Willow's got a wisdom beyond her years as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and you know, in in this in this in these times that we live in, in this world that we live in, we we are far too um, miserable about the idea of growing old, and we don't we we don't appreciate age and wisdom enough. So um, hey, look, Joyce has fantastic skin. Oh, she does. I mean, yeah, you know. So whatever, like she's probably got better lower back mobility than I have as well. You know, <laughs> she looks like she does some Pilates. Yeah. 
Um, she's a, yeah, and she's she knows who she is in a way that the younger characters don't. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I know you're going to make friends right away. Just think positive. Uh, so Xander, we first meet on a skateboard. Mm, which I was very surprised by. Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, this kind of this again. If this is your first time watching Buffy, you won't necessarily be surprised by it. But yeah, he's he's a teenage, fourteen-year-old man on a skateboard. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, completely fine. But um, as someone who's watched it before, because so yeah, I'd watched it before, but I hadn't watched it in so much detail and really thought about. You know, I hadn't rewatched the first episode. Xander's not really a skateboard guy later on. No, no. So I was looking at this and I was thinking, like, that's right, interesting because maybe, like, especially because with Jesse there and stuff, you kind of feel like maybe their first idea for Xander would be that he would be a burnout mm. rather than uh, what I consider him to be, which is a proto incel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, what's funny, though, is I, I, I listened to the commentary on this, the Joss Whedon commentary on the DVD, uh, which I own. Uh, <laughs> um, so he was saying that uh, basically they had not not that they did not. Not that they planned to have Xander be a skateboarder, but they hadn't anticipated how much work it is to have a skateboard scene in a show because you've got to do so much choreography. You've got to have all your extras choreographed. You've got to have the boom mic choreographed. You've got to have the camera choreographed. And, you know, he doesn't look like he's a great skateboarder either, Nicholas mm. Brandon, you know, so you got to choreograph him. Um, and then they just were like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that again. Um, and then the song is playing, uh, and so I was watching Buffy with the subtitles on, actually, uh, for whatever reason. I can't. Um, I think I was watching something in a different language, and whatever, it continued on. Um, so the lyrics of the songs keep coming up in the subtitles, mm. even though they're, like, really not necessary. Mm. And I've written down the lyrics of the songs are like, keep your beliefs away from me. There's all this, like, I'm not going to be like you. I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, the the lyrics are very like anti-establishment, mm -hmm. you know, which I think is like setting the tone for Buffy. Do you know, Buffy's mm. like, we're, this show, we're not going to fit into this mold mm -hmm, that you mm -hmm. think we're going to fit into, you know, like we're going to we're going to have Xander on a skateboard for one episode and then never again. <laughs> and in my experience, skateboard boys are never as awful as Xander is because they've got a hobby, you know, like Xander doesn't have a hobby. Um expecting sex from women that's a <laughs> that's a good hobby for him when i was in school like the skateboard boys like were just nice boys because they like they had a thing they were generally nicer than a lot of the other groups because they had oh a no thing. totally totally they did their skateboarding they, they took out a lot of their energy on skateboarding and the rest of the time like if anything they were maybe like a little bit boring as a group but they tended to be like you know some uh, of the nice don't, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong this is this is an anti-zander thing it's not an anti-skateboard thing <laughs> To know, um, maybe if Xander had a thing, he wouldn't be yeah, that's, so. Yeah, that's that's exactly what but, I mean. Like but... I, that's why Xander is not a skateboard boy because he's just too much of a dishbag. Uh, and yeah, I mean, again, we're projecting forward. Like so yeah. far, he's done nothing. So far, wrong. he's just skated in on a he's skateboard. He's just skated in, and we already hate him. <laughs> um, 
but <laughs> he's, he's skated in just looking 20 years older than the others <laughs> and bit, so i think he just like i think i don't know if, if joss has even said this but i think he's supposed to basically stand in for joss whedon is he a little bit like or like who he thought he was in school type thing okay which you can kind of see right Okay. With all the wise are cracking and you know. Okay, yeah. Uh but uh yeah, he's 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 nothing on Willow, who we meet yes. next. Yes, yeah. Um so Willow's my darling and I think we're gonna follow her pretty closely. Um throughout. Oh, God. the the path she will take. Yeah, we're gonna so we we won't preempt uh where Willow's gonna go as a character, but we're gonna we're going to watch her. We're going to watch her and just see if she grows. Mm-hmm. We're going to, like, see if maybe she goes on a little journey and, like, finds herself and stuff. But she's so... She's got really, like... um, <clears throat> She's just got such a 90s face. Oh, okay. Alison Hannigan. Like, she looks like... She kind of looks a little bit like the daughter in Roseanne. And, like, she's just... Okay. Do you know, she's just, like... She just... She just exudes 90s-ness. In the best mm, possible so way. More so Buffy, do you think? Sarah Michelle? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Willow, right? Why? I, I mean, hi. Uh, did you want me to move? That's Willow, who, you know, we will we will come to learn about more. Uh, yeah, we love her, though. We also meet Giles. Giles, who I was really stunned to find out that um, Giles is not his first name. No, so you thought it was his first name? I thought you just didn't know his first name. <laughs> no, I just didn't remember, but like, he's so you Giles. So thought, you thought he was Mr. Giles in the same way that you would be Miss Sadie. <laughs> yeah, I, <think laughs> I, I, did. I didn't realise that. I think I did, or you're like Mr. Osh. No, no. He has... I was really stunned that his uh, first name isn't Giles. No, he has a first name, and it is Rupert. Rupert. Rupert Gilles. Like a little teddy bear. Yeah. Um, so, uh, how do you mean if I suppose Buffy just goes in to get a book or something? Um, does she not? Buffy goes in to get a book and then Giles starts like being really weird with her and being like, don't you want a book about vampires? Don't you want this book? And she's like, mm-hmm. what? No, who are you? Uh, <laughs> and then we find out that he was a uh, curator at either the british museum or a british museum and i mean i think it was the british museum because like the watchers council like where did they get their money from i fully believe that they trafficked in antiquities from the colonies do you know 100 percent, yeah um so yeah i mean he never talks about his past life uh in in the British Museum or a British Museum, but... No. And there's no point going too much into, like, career progressions in fictional 90s TV programmes, but, like, yeah, I don't know how he went from working in the British Museum to then being a high school librarian. Well, I mean, it's all... Have that career flexibility, you know? I'm Mr Giles. And okay, so that's Buffy with her soft face, Xander, who we hate, <laughs> Willow, who we love, Giles, who we fancy a bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah we definitely yeah. fancy him a bit. More so than at 23 for me. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, and Cordelia. And we'll come back to that, obviously. 
Cordelia. Cordelia. And we do love Cordelia. So, strangely enough, I didn't like Cordelia when I first watched it because Even I was... you like strong women. Yeah, because I was picking up on the code that I was... I felt that I was supposed to read her under, which is that she is, like, the mean girl who's, like, vapid and popular and whatever, and that you're supposed to sort of identify against almost. Yeah, but then and she's I, I, just not. She's what? really not, though. Like, mm. that's the thing. Like, But I was seven, I was eight, so I was just like, yeah. okay, she's this archetype, you know? Yeah. So I was like... Even though I found her funny, I just, like, was, like, I couldn't let myself, like, oh, like I mean, her. so she is mean to Willow in this episode. So, like, you know, if you're on Willow's side, I can see why you'd be, like, she's rubbish. Yeah. I mean, she's mean to a lot of people, like, throughout the whole thing. But it's I also... Kind of. But she, she eases up a bit on Willow, doesn't she? Oh, wait, we'll, we'll come back to that later. We'll come back to that. Yeah, no, she does. She does. But, you know, but she's incredible. Like, just mm. as a, as a, as a, like, as a something that just pierces the atmosphere of the show mm. and like brings it down to earth mm-hmm. uh she's incredible and what? she looks and she looks amazing of course and her we we did speak about this uh last time but her outfit just so buffy's outfit in this episode her first day of school outfit looks stunningly 90s she's got like high sheen lip gloss she's just like <laughs> the most 90s a person can look cordelia in a way perhaps too but her outfit has aged in a way that um that like buffy's hasn't like cordelia's outfit still looks great to my eyes now yeah it's it's aged beautifully i feel timeless timeless yeah um, so she's she... wearing, is she wearing like green trousers and a brown shirt or something yeah, like, like kind of sheer number <clears throat> yeah but she looks fantastic uh-huh uh-huh Oh, Cordelia. What do you think was Cordelia's best line in this episode? Because there's a few. Um, so I kind of, I watched the two episodes together. Mm. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the one that's kind of quite iconic is like, what's your childhood trauma? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which I always thought was like a um, homage to Heather's, what's your damage? Mm. Um, but I also liked... Uh, Nobody cool has Epstein yes. Bar anymore. Yeah, and those are the two I put down. <laughs> like, but then she's like, it's it's like viral hepatitis, and I'm like, is that cooler? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite Cordelia moments, I think, in general, are when the scene cuts into her talking to people and finishing a story. <laughs> and we just get like the end of Cordelia's story where she mm-hmm. kind of sums up the the general point she'd be making. And uh, that's one of my favorites. Nobody cool has Epstein Bar anymore. <laughs> and the doctor says it's Epstein Bar. I'm like, at least it's chronic hepatitis, or at least chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, so. And then, oh, go on, go no, on. No, no, you go, you go. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, language in general in this episode. Um, my favorite kind of. Uh, Californian 90s chat is the <laughs> locker room <laughs> where um uh what is it they say it's like one of them says something the other goes nay pause <laughs> which I assume is like no yes like no positive I don't know uh-huh. that's why I nay. nay nay pause so... I'm pretty sure that's what they say 
So like, uh, I so so Buffy speak is like a, a really established thing, but that's not Buffy speak because, um, so the whole point of Buffy speak, uh, if you like look it up online, is that it's sort of um undateable, um, like it it doesn't age. So mm. Buffy speak is like a way of giving an idea of like youthful inarticulateness mm-hmm. uh, without using lots of like contemporary slang that's going to age really, really quickly. So if they say like, you know, nay, pause, mos def, whatever, then like within like literally two years, that's going to be like super out of date because teen language, you know, changes at like warp speed. Well, the chatter in the calf is that she got kicked out and that's why her mom had to get a new job. Nay. Pause, she was starting fights. But if you do things like refer to things with like loads of adjectives and like make your make your adjectives into nouns and your nouns into verbs and and things like that, then you you capture the sort of uh, energy of like a a young person who doesn't quite have the words to like uh, articulate something quite yet. So if like Buffy was describing uh, some sort of I don't know, ritual or something that she came across, it'd be like, oh yeah, and they've got the 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 black swirly uh magic who's it or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and just like loads of words that like, kind of all lined up together. So it's like that's not gonna age and in twenty years that will still communicate that this is like a young woman that is just using the linguistic resources available to her uh to describe a situation. And yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, it ends up working better than this sort of uh, this locker room chat that <laughs> that we're hearing here. <laughs> that like we basically don't understand now. <laughs> Nothing at all. Um, and, something years later. Uh, then oh, I suppose so. We met Cordelia Angel. We 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 yes. we got to meet Angel. Who, I mean, I just. I mean, how do you feel about Angel? I mean, neither of us love Angel. Neither of us really like Angel. I mean, I'm conflicted because, you know, as a plot point, Angel is very good. Yeah. Like, he he instigates, you know, the the whole Series 2 plot is like, you know, classic Buffy and it's all built around his character and that's great. But, like, as an actual, like, character himself, he's just like... But, but... But in this scene where we meet them going down the alley, uh, he's not actually, uh, he's not really the angel that we come to know, is he? No, he's snarky in a way that uh, he just, he's just like, later. It's just, it's just this like kind of very 90s ironic detachment sarcasm thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I was just like, man, look, you know, Buffy's 16 you're 250 <laughs> like lay off her like and i don't mean lay off her like obviously you know well for other reasons or yeah we'll get to that as well too but like he's just being so mean and i'm yeah. like man children of the future you yeah, know she's 16 yeah no he's you i mean, never liked him very much i mean it doesn't help that like i just don't david boreanaz is that his name that is his name i don't want to be mean but like he's not Compared to like, I mean, Buffy's just a 
better actor than him and like all the others really are and he's just just like a big blob he's just a wet mop (laughs) he just doesn't really have much of a personality and like i don't know maybe it's the script maybe it's maybe it's the actor. i don't think they knew who i don't think he knew but i don't think the script writers knew who who angel was was gonna be yeah exactly like they were i don't know he's just got this big sort of like uh magician pickup artist energy in these early episodes <laughs> who are you let's just say i'm a friend yeah well maybe i don't want a friend i didn't say i was yours but yeah so the so in primary school um all the girls would go on about angel and all the girls fancied angel and it was a big cultural thing um but yeah, I've never, I've never felt any stirrings for Angel. Oh, Angel, he's so sexy. And then we get to the bronze. The bronze. And the bronze is, I mean, what does the bronze mean to you? Because to me, the bronze means home, Sadie. <laughs> uh, the bronze is excitement, you know? Like, I used to... If a band played at the Bronze, I would like go to Virgin Megastores the next week and see if I could find an album of theirs. They let anybody in, but it's still the scene. Uh huh. Uh, including Giles. They let Giles in. Yeah, it's it is it's a miraculous place, the Bronze, because like there's these sixteen year old high school students hanging out there, and also their teacher. Willow is also there. The cool kids are there. The uncool kids are there. Well, this is what I was going to say. Right. So, like, I would definitely have associated with with Willow. Absolutely. Uh, going through school. I really wish I'd had Willow. <laughs> like, if I'd started watching Buffy when you had, I really could have done with having Willow in my mind. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because, like, I was... I, I've never related so hard to a character as I do to Willow. So, you didn't have one of those characters like no. uh, at all anywhere else not as good a one as willow but yeah i i watched this now and i was like oh my god like even though i associated with willow i wouldn't have had the i still uh would not feel very comfortable just going to a nightclub by myself in yeah! case up. like that's a very anxiety inducing situation I for me i don't know if and they just... realize i don't know if the script writers realize quite how cool that is to be able to just go to a club by yourself but i yeah, know this it's is... like what is she from berlin like where yeah! has she got this confidence but yeah this so this is the, the like no it's not the first time we see willow sorry we've seen her in school but buffy shows up at the bronze and willow's just there and buffy's like in her cardigan in her cardigan and Buffy's like are you here with someone and she's just like no I just thought maybe Xander would turn up like I think that's supposed to be uncool it before it was before phones she yeah. doesn't even have a phone that she can be like oh I'm looking at Twitter I'm nope. talking to other friends that aren't here she just has to sit there with her coca-cola yeah. presumably because it's America and you know 21 years old and all that well they said so when they say that the bronze lets anyone in is it like an over 21s club where they just let anyone in? No, it's not because there's there's other there's another episode where Anya tries to buy a beer and they're like ID and then she goes, I'm eleven hundred and twenty year freaking years old. Is it an over eighteens club? It's an over eighteens club, but you must have to you be over have 21. to be twenty one to buy alcohol. Because okay. they do they do ID people on the way. Right, so this is just outside of our cultural frame of reference, I guess, because like 
We haven't had an experience of having a club that you can go to before oh, you can buy booze. But this is a good diversion. Tell me about your experience at the Unders. The Unders? So could you have an Unders, didn't you? We had. We didn't call it the Unders. We called mm. it uh, very like metonymically. We called it the Metric, which was its name. We didn't have a name for like the general concept of going somewhere that was an underage disco. We just called mm-hmm. it by the name that it was. The metric was in a barn. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this day, I do not know where it is uh, because basically you would get there by call the minibus and be like, I'm going to the metric. And then it would pick you up with like 15 other people from. Whoa, you had to call it in advance. Yeah. So it would pick you up with like 15 other people from the town. It would go to everyone's house and pick you up. Then it would drop you in Meville, which is the nearest town. Then in Meville, all of the minibuses that had dropped people to Meville would leave. And then you get a larger kind of medium sized bus where all of you would get into that bus and then that would drive to the metric. Um, and that would take another hour or so. Uh, and then all of the different buses from all over Donegal would have from all around there. Um, then you queued to get into what was an actual barn. Um, and there was always like a line of like guys collapsed in the hedge because they had like not quite got the balance right of like obviously you can't drink inside so you have to down your like whatever a quarter of vodka before you get in but they you know just don't have it too far and they couldn't get past the bouncer so now they were stuck in literally the middle of nowhere uh, and they just had to wait there for like three hours before the buses went home again Aww. i only went like twice um and I can't say I have a great experience of it. Um, so. Oh man, I'm so sorry. Wait, why are you apologizing to me? Because I lived in the city and we had like <clears throat> multiple different under 18s clubs, which were just in the different grown ups clubs, but a little bit earlier. Ah, uh, yeah, see, I was... And there was like a goth one and there was like an R&B one. Like there were different genres depends on like what music you liked and stuff and no we just had the that we had one and it played scooter all night oh uh, we did have one that played scooter all night which i went to a couple times it was called eagle um uh-huh. it was yeah <laughs> and uh but then we had the mission which i found when i was about 14 um and i went there and so the mission was like a grown-up club but there was an underage version. So, and, oh yeah, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say it was it was quite a lot like the bronze. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, and I mean not in all way. Like obviously, the bronze like it, college kids didn't go there. You know, like it was yeah. you, you didn't go there if you were over maybe sixteen, seventeen. But yeah, the general ambiance was quite. Bronzy, and there was all, there were always bands played. Like there were always live bands during the night, and then there would be like, I'm sorry, Osh, it was like not a bad underage club experience. No, it was fine, but the thing is, because compared to yours, yours sounds pretty bad. No, the bronze we 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 did not have. Um, no, but but I had the bronze. I did have the bronze because I had Buffy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you did have Buffy. <laughs> um. So the band that's playing. Yes, who's playing in the first episode? They are called... What's, what's happening at the bronze? So the band's called Sprung Monkey. Mm. 
and uh, I do not know where they went to. I do not know from whence they came. Uh, I do know from looking them up on IMDb that they had about seven ep- uh, seven songs that were sequenced for like the first, I don't know, four or five episodes of Buffy. So I don't know if they made like a package deal with the TV show for their rights <laughs> or what. Um, this is another moment that dates the TV show, would you say? What, the band? Yeah. Yeah. And and like the camera work around them and it's like bouncing the up and jumping down. up, yeah. And it's just like diet rage against the machine nonsense, and it's yeah. Mm-mm. But you know, it's it's perfect. It's also it's also it's, perfect. It's what what we needed at that moment. Um, uh, much better bands will play in the bronze as yes. Buffy grows yes. in stature. So uh, we'll come we'll come back to this. We'll talk about what's going on in the bronze night by night, episode by episode. <laughs> um. So, yeah, Giles is uh, chatting to Buffy uh, about honing her senses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what does she hone them on? <clears throat> oh, this feels like a test. Um, yeah. <laughs> she has to guess who's a vampire, is that right? Yeah. She has to look around and be like, which one's a vampire? But she doesn't hone her senses. She just looks for the one with the worst outfit. Uh-huh. Which, by the way... I think has come back around. It's not, it's not a bad outfit, yeah. No, I think he actually looks a lot more 2020 than any of the other characters in this. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, not, he's not wearing high sheen lip gloss. Mm-hmm. You know, and the whole like high collar shirt thing and everything. I mean, he's quite, he's quite attractive. Yeah, no, he looks great. When she says she hates his outfit, I was like, oh, Buffy. She says it's like really outdated, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. But she doesn't understand that um, fashion is not a straight line, it's a spiral. What's with the outfit? Live in the now, okay? You look like DeBarge. Now, we can- Blah, blah, blah. This guy heads off with Willow. They go into a crypt. Mm-hmm. Um, and Buffy follows with Sander. I, I can't remember. And then, boom, fight scene. Fight, 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 fight. Which, I mean, very instrumental. Yeah. Not that much to say about it, is there? Nah, not really. No. Uh, but, you know, Luke comes into contact and Darla is like, she's strong. <coughs> and, you know, we, we get a little bit of, we get a little bit of danger. We get a little bit of danger <coughs> because it <coughs> seems for a moment like Buffy's maybe going to... Maybe you're gonna die in the first episode of her eponymous TV show. But we know she's not. No. And we're just gonna skip right through to the second episode here because do you know It's a two parter. It's a two parter, you know, it's a bonus. Um so she doesn't die because of Angel's uh crucifix that uh, he gave her as a present. Was it Angel that gave her? I think it was Angel. Uh yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um then they fight a little bit more, and boom, that's it. Um, so the fight continues across both episodes. Yeah, it does, yeah. Uh, yeah I yeah, think yeah. she manages to escape and save Willow and Xander, but they can't find Jessie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to be honest with you. The second episode, my notes are like all over the place on. I feel like I'd sort of, I'd sort of made my mind up at this point. Um, is this because we were really drunk by this point? Well, no, because I'd also oh, made no, you notes. you were sober making your notes. Yeah. I was sober when I made my notes. <laughs> but one thing that I have a note here that says, 
uh, like, I don't know how they do things in Britain. They, <laughs> they got that royal family and all kinds of problems. Did they know about Prince Andrew? <laughs> I don't know if I love that very well. <laughs> because this was 97, though, so... so I think maybe Diana. Yeah, because 97 was the year Diana died, wasn't it? I think it might have been. I know this was early 97, Buffy uh-huh. series one. You know, so maybe Diana hadn't died yet. But um, even before she died, there was like a lot of kind of scandally sort of stuff going on, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was the Martin Bashir interview, which is, you know, very iconic. Um, I mean, I don't know about that, I don't think. No. Uh, well, you, you should rewatch it. It's, it's amazing. And he's like, would you ever want to be queen? And she's like, pauses for like a very long time and goes, I should, I should think that I would be queen of people's hearts. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, it's kind of amazing. I got in trouble at school for saying I didn't think it was such a big deal. Oh, did you? Yeah. You got in trouble. Tell me about this. I just, um, it was in the toilets and I was talking to a bunch of girls and they said they were really sad about Diana dying. And I just said, well, I don't think it's that a big deal. A deal. People die all the time. I presume that... <gasps> You're such an edgelord. <laughs> <laughs> I presume this is something I picked up from my dad because my dad was never like so into the world. I mean, he would have thought it was sad that Diana died, but like not more sad than anyone else dying, you know, that kind mm. of thing. Um... But yeah, I, I did. I got in trouble. It was it was quite upsetting. So time. what? They snitched on you. They said, "Teacher, yeah, they teacher, did. Sadie yeah. says she doesn't care that Diana died." Yeah, Sadie says she doesn't care that Princess Diana died. And then the teacher was like, "Sadie, it's really sad when someone dies." And I was wait, like, did you not go to a Catholic school? Um, yeah. But they were yeah. still royalists. I guess so. Everyone was at that. But like when Diana died, everyone was a royalist <laughs> for a little while. Um. So yeah, then there's the scene underground. Uh-huh. With the master. With the master. The master. Who we have met before, but we obviously didn't feel like it was necessary to talk about him. Yeah, uh, well, I think he just sort of appears briefly, but it's not a particularly interesting scene. So we've like been introduced to him when we were introduced to all the other characters. But like, Yeah, yeah. He rises from like a lake of blood, blah, blah, blah. Normal stuff. This is uh, the first time he kind of really is there in all his glory. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this is a this is a scene. This it's is a complicated scene. Yeah, this is quite um, quite a, quite a sexy scene in a way, right? There's some I complicated f- sexual dynamics. I mean, I feel I, f- I feel like all of these underground scenes have quite a sexual menace to them. Mm, mm. Oh, all these ones around the master. Yeah. Uh, but this one has um, my body is your instrument. Oh no, that's actually a slightly later scene. Was oh, that a later scene? Sorry. But I feel I feel like we can definitely bring this all into the one conversation mm, just mm, so we don't have to come back here. This is sexy because it's like Luke, Darla, and Jesse, and I think Luke is like kind of giving giving Jesse a little bit of like a neck massage, you know, just mm. a little bit of a oh, yeah. We'll use him as bait, and I thought you're nothing more than a meal boy. And I mean the master. Mm. Is a is a bit of an S and M icon. It's called isn't it? the master. He's the master, do you know? And he's wearing this leather number with these, you know, with the big buttons. It's it's it's, it's pretty kinky. Yeah, and I feel like that is a recurring thing throughout Buffy, right? But particularly in particularly kinky with villains. the vampire. Yeah, the villains. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 
again I mean, I again. Th- again, this would fit into the sort of general sex negativity of Buffy, that all of the villains are um, sort of uh, kink positive. Ah. And yeah, there's that scene where, where he's, uh, my body is your instrument a little bit later uh, mm. through, through Luke, which... I mean, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if he says, like, I'm coming, but, like, he says something along those lines, like, Give me more! Mm. Um, what was that really kinky thing it, we watched? It wasn't actually really kinky. We watched Rat- Ratatouille. Oh, Ratatouille is so kinky. <laughs> oh, it's so kinky. Like, how can you watch it? I can't believe you watched this when you were seven. I suppose it all just passed you by. Do you know, I wouldn't have seen this when I was seven because... Oh, no, you only started episode four. Yeah, so I actually didn't see the pilot until oh. it showed on the BBC, which was like three years later. Because oh, we actually wow. got we got Buffy in Ireland before, before oh. the UK. Um, so, yeah, so where are we now? Uh... Buffy leaves the school to do a little bit of reconnaissance, but she's intercepted by Principal Flutie. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about Principal Flutie? Um, he was funny in this episode. What's he? He's got he's got a couple of good lines, doesn't he? Yeah. Can't well, I think the, the the one at the start, like I think in the first episode where he's like ripping up her her permanent record, but then. Oh, is that yes? So we meet him in the first episode. We just didn't mention it. Mention it there, did we? No. But he's great, and, and I mean, what's he? What's his name? Is it Bob or but Bob? And he says, "All the kids here are free to call me Bob, but they don't." <laughs> All the kids here are free to call me Bob. Bob. But they don't. What does he say? He says to Buffy, "You," does he say, "Like you seem like a girl who's got your feet on the ground." And then she doesn't have her feet on the ground. She because does not. She, she's she. He says that. And, and he means it in like a metaphorical sense but then in a literal <laughs> sense she then jumps over the fence oh, so, it's, so good. Oh, it's, it's really nice I like but it's that. like another one of these like moments in these early episodes and I, not even the early episodes like literally just the first two episodes where Buffy does these like really unnecessary acrobatic Stunts. flourishes mm. like you know, like when she like when she meets Angel and she goes up the pole and she's got her legs in the air. Yeah. Um, like I feel like as the show went on, they got a better sense of how to integrate her physicality in, mm, in into mm, her movements. Mm. But like most of the time, she does like a huge like she'll do like a side flip when it's just like it just be. She's pretty ostentatious. It would just be faster to walk. Like I thought she had a secret identity. Do you but know? she's sixteen. Like if I was sixteen and I could just like do a side flip than I would you know yeah I would show off a little bit yeah true true I'm sure you would <laughs> um so where does she flip to um oh god I can't remember does she flip to the crypt yeah where she meets Angel who again mm-hmm. has no idea who he is uh-huh and one of my inexplicable moments that I've noted down for this episode um is when Buffy says, Buffy's speaking to Angel, and she says, wish me luck, and then walks away. And then Angel looks at the camera and whispers, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> oh, okay, so again, that's a nice couple of moments. I love that one. But 
slightly previous to this, uh-huh. uh, Angel's there with his sort of, you know, pickup artist, magician energy. And she says, like, do you know what it's like to have a friend? And he just looks like oh yeah, he has ripped his heart out. And then does she say something like, oh, I didn't mean to. Yeah, like she's suddenly like, oh, is this like a hard moment for you? And then he's just like, oh, he, he just, his face just falls. Yeah. And, and it's just like, wow, he is so hurt. He has like so few friends and he's so sensitive about it. And yeah, I, I, that to me is another kind of inexplicable moment. But uh, in his human life, did he not have friends? What was wrong with him then? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the thing that annoys me about him so much is it's just like, so I have this like pet peeve about um, characters who just can't express their feelings. Mm-hmm. And Angel's one of them. So basically, I think if any plot point is like driven by the fact that like someone can't express their feelings, I've just got like no time for it. And I'm a bit like, he's like 250. I'm Do similar. You know I think it gets overused as a plot point like um like oh this character just can't express their feelings and like because there's that like dramatic irony where you as an audience member are like just tell her how you feel yeah but, like i do get frustrated after a point so it's like, yeah just tell i her know how you feel. i know it's like he shouldn't he should be in a sally rooney novel do you know it's just mm. like oh this is like all oh, the words just catch like treacle in his throat and I, oh no it can't be arse it's like and like i'm like okay like i'm 30 and you know even just in the last you know in the last like three four years you know like i've got a lot better at just like expressing like what i need from mm. someone or like how i feel and i feel like if i lived to 250 yeah i would get even better at that exactly i don't understand you being 250 and having an emotional level of ability which is below that of a 90-year-old. Yeah. That's not acceptable. No, bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> and, and then this is where we come to the, the, the controversial moments that I, 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 I came to, which mm. was um, if he is 250 mm-hmm, and he's mm-hmm. from Galway mm-hmm. and he was apparently a nobleman, which we'll come to. This is a bit mm. spoilers and stuff. Mm. Um I mean, I guess you can probably guess from his, like, lack of maturity and wetness that he was a nobleman. Yeah, true, true. (laughs) But would you guess that he was Irish? Definitely not. At at no point, even later on when he does his Irish accent, would I guess that he was (laughs) Irish. You'd have no idea. We'll we'll come back to that. You would think he's Jamaican, yeah. (laughs) Um, But he was a nobleman in uh, in Galway uh, in the... uh, I guess like the the eighteen hundreds or something. Yeah, that's um, right. No, 1700s in the seventeen hundreds. Oh. So um, I was like, well, if he was like a member of the elite during this period in Ireland's history, then he was probably a colonist. Mm. But then I googled seventeenth or eighteenth century history of Galway, and apparently they had a sizable Catholic merchant elite. Um, although they were sometimes made to vacate the city uh, by the 300 Protestants who lived there. Um, Mm. But, uh, I mean, either way, you know, whether he was Catholic or Protestant, who was, you know, digging up his potatoes? Like, who who was making his clatterings? Do you know? Like, this was... uh, 
you know, he was he was a he was a fuckboy to begin with and and he's a fuckboy right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um and that is a plausible um backstory for Angel, a plausible theory about uh, how he became who he is. Uh-huh. Uh, so then there's the computer lab where you've got this, like, stoner guy. Oh, yeah, I liked him. I love him! Who? I really wish... Who's Buffy? Who's this chick? <laughs> what's, what's her deal? <laughs> oh my god, I love it so much. I really wish that he'd become, like, a regular character. <laughs> I know, I know. He kind of reminds me of like the bunny in Donnie Darko. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it is about him. Frank, Frank the bunny. Yeah, Frank the bunny. Um, or like, yeah, I written down like, Shaggy hmm? from Scooby Doo, but he's almost like more extreme than Shaggy from Scooby Doo. And it's just like he's just like he's got such this gormless face where he's like, yeah. what? Like everything they say, he's just like chewing the scenery around. Like it. he's there to be this comedy character, but then he doesn't say anything funny, and then he just goes before he has a chance to say anything funny. Like I feel like they might have had stuff planned for him being funny. They did have him in another episode ah. uh, in, ser- in series one, but like again, just like oh, what, what? Because he pops up just like larger than life right up at the camera ready to do his lines and then he just doesn't have any good lines. <laughs> yeah, it was the 90s. Who? Buffy, the new girl. What's your deal? And it feels at this point like we're getting these little glimpses of people who maybe they, maybe the writers haven't even decided if they're going to be like main characters or not. Like they're, they're like auditioning for like a part apart as one of like the pals yeah yeah yeah, and yeah for whatever reason he just doesn't get there yeah like i feel like um maybe the girls in the locker room who are like mm-hmm. nay pause was deaf like i feel like they're maybe in that kind of category mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. um but he just pops up and then disappears again yeah and yeah but i mean he is he's scorched into our hearts forever uh because he's just so he's, he's so loud like he's just so <laughs> His, his, his face is a bit much. That might be why he didn't uh why he didn't become one of the main guys, because his face is just like Um And then uh Buffy is in her bedroom. With Joyce. With Joyce. Who is a great mum. She is She's such a good mum in this scene. Joyce is a great mum. Joyce wants to understand her daughter. I've written this down and I feel like this is something that I did at 23 watching Buffy understand that Joyce was like a cipher for a great mum. But watching it now on my 31st birthday, I feel like for the first time I really, or I guess I watched it yesterday on the eve of my 31st birthday, I feel like I really understood for the first time that like, Joyce is a truly great mum. She is such a great mum. She is such a good mum. And, like, scene... and like, it's like, okay, like, okay, Buffy is a little bit like sort of hemmed in by her at times. Sometimes she feels a little bit controlled, but that's only because she's a vampire slayer. Yeah. If, if Buffy was a normal daughter, uh-huh, which every as far, single... As far as Joyce knows. Yeah, like Buffy actually gives her quite a lot of freedom for like a normal daughter. The tapes all say I should get used to saying it. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, like the, as the tension as... only comes in because she's a vampire slayer. Yeah. Which, how is she to know? Because, like, is it the first 
episode or the second, but Buffy's just like, oh, I'm I'm going to a club. And Joyce is like, will there be boys there? And Buffy's like, yeah. no, it's a nun club. And her mum's like, oh, yeah, of course there'll be boys there. That's fine. It's okay that you're 16 and you're going to a club. So actually, no. Buffy's getting quite a lot of freedom already. No, Joyce is a, a great mum. And, uh, yeah, no, I really, really... I'm really appreciating that now for the first time and really like... And as I established, we are more like Joyce than we are like Buffy (laughs) at this point in our lives. We could very easily have daughters Buffy's age. We could. (laughs) Oh my god. But culturally, we're probably more... more Like we're still culturally more... Yeah, because like we don't have the opportunities that Joyce had in terms of employment. yeah and also we don't like joyce to. i'm sorry like joyce is a boomer and like she yeah. she probably just got graduated from a humanities degree and just like got a job at the at the gallery the day she where got she the day she got a degree somebody phoned her up and was like do you want to just like work at this gallery yeah do you want to <laughs> run this gallery hey joyce there is a gallery opening in sunnydale we want you to be the director we heard <laughs> that you've got a degree do you want to <laughs> exactly <laughs> So, you know, we are, we have very different life experiences to Joyce, but, you know, I think for the time that she was in, she was an impeccable example of motherhood to us all. Mm. Um, and then she says that line to Buffy, uh, where, she's, where, where she's putting down her foot and she's saying, like, you know, you can't go out. And she says, I know, Buffy. Everything is life or death when you're a 16-year-old girl. And I mean, what is that if not the manifesto? Yeah. For Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Yeah. Joyce is a really underrated character because I don't think many people, when you talked about Buffy, would talk about Joyce initially. Oh. People talk about even like Giles, and he, his part is maybe it's a bit bigger than her, but you know. But um, yeah, Joyce is really at the heart of Buffy in a way that I don't think is often recognised. I know, and then it's sort of like. In a way, she has that principal flutey role where she stands in for a caricature of like a 90s mom. But she becomes so much more than But that. she becomes so much more. And, oh, do you know, it's just, it's just beautiful. Um, but we are, we're obviously projecting forward our love for Joyce because even in these first episodes, there's not a lot to work on, but we're, we're working It's backwards. impossible not to, though. Yeah. And I mean, we're doing that kind of for everybody. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, especially Xander, because, you know, we, we hate him inexplicably for how early in the series we are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, but it'll all become clear. <laughs> uh, so, so then Buffy goes to her box. Yes! Are we going to say the same thing? This was one of my inexplicable moments. Okay, we'll say it on zero. So, three, two, one. John- Union <laughs> Wafer! <laughs> Why does she, she have a jar of no. <laughs> no, no, the thing is, like, I can understand why communion wafers would damage a vampire. <laughs> right, like, I can understand. Like, they are a sacrament. They have been blessed. Like, if I, if I was, like, you know, like, say we were, like, at a house party and there was, like, secretly a vampire and I'd be, like, car- like, I'd be, like, putting her in the bowl of communion wafers and then we'd all be eating them and then they couldn't because they put it in their mouth and then their their tongue would their tongue would melt off um but like like in a battle like in a fight 
like when <laughs> what is she gonna what is, what is she gonna do with the communion wafers is she trying to like throw them into their mouths like in the in the moment that they're open <laughs> this huge jar of communion wafers she doesn't just have a couple she's got like maybe 50 <laughs> Yeah, it's also it's a sort of like it's a, it's kind of like as if she had like a whip, like you know I can understand that this might do damage, mm. but I don't understand the context in which you think this is a good way to do damage to a vampire. Like, where are you going to get this opportunity? Like to, you know, and we never see them again. We never, we never see. Exactly, this is what I was thinking about as well. It's like, it reminds me of going to communion. It reminds me of. I was like, oh yeah, she's got a jar of communion wafers. But when I first watched it, like, it's been a while since I've seen a jar of communion wafers. So I was just like, is it just like a big jar of milky buttons? (laughs) And then that made me think, like, okay, if it's just that they're like blessed. Does that mean you can bless any food and use it as a weapon against a vampire? Ah. Like, if you blessed some soup, could you use it as holy water? I think you could. Because soup as well, I don't know if you've ever burned yourself in soup, but that's even worse than a burn with like water. because really it, hot? Well, because yeah. it's so thick that the steam, steam can't escape, you know? Oh, wow. So, okay. so maybe, like, holy soup would actually be oh, a better... Oh, I mean, like, oil. Like, like, obviously, like, if you heated up oil, that would yeah. be... Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, yeah, they're really missing a trick, these guys. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I would do if I was Buffy, anyway. Um, but uh, you did a communion, right? Yes. So what's yeah. your what's your? We both had uh, good Catholic upbringings in various your... parts of the world. What's your communion name? What what are they uh, what are they called? So we or is it a confirmation name maybe? Confirmation name. So I did my communion ah. when I was like seven, and I didn't get a name, and then I did my confirmation when I was like eleven, and I got a name then. Oh yeah, I should know that because I also did. I did all those things. Uh, What's your confirmation name? Oh, Grace is very. It's very. It's very holy, isn't it? Yeah. In the grace of the Lord. She's a saint, Grace. I don't really know what Saint Grace did, but I think I picked it because it just sounded like vaguely holy. Ah yeah. What did you pick? Uh, column. Column. That's nice. That you would suit column. Do you think so? Yeah. That's a nice name. Did you? Did it was the, is our local saint, Colum Kill. He. Oh, that's he, nice. I think he sailed from like kind of around from my village to Scotland to spread the word of Christianity to you guys. Oh. So. Oh wow. Yeah. Did um did Mary ever tell you um about her friend in school whose confirmation name um is Saint is Sexburger? She found out there was a Saint Sexburger. 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 There was a saint <laughs> called Sexburger. And at 11, she discovered the saint and she was like, my name is going to be Sexburger. That's going to be my confirmation. No, that's amazing. Isn't it wonderful? I really want to meet this person. Like, I wish I'd had that kind of moxie at 11. Uh, and the priest still about to say it, you know, when they like call you up and they're like, Arise, Sir Colum. That's not what they say, but they, they, they call you up and they're like, they call you to the altar by your confirmation name. So the priest will have had to say, like, now 
Come here, sex burger. <laughs> My blood is your blood. After she gets her communion wafers, she she jumps out her Dawson's Creek window. So Joyce has said don't go out and Buffy goes out anyway. Yeah. And uh, she heads back to the bronze. Mm. And we have another Cordelia moment. It's like when I go shopping. I have to have the most expensive thing. Not because it's expensive, but because it costs more. And if Joyce was looking for her, like, where else is she going to be? She's told Joyce she's going to a club, and then yeah. she goes to the only club in town, so. Um, um, Cordelia is looking fierce again. Looking great. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Jessie, who's now a vampire, comes up and, and asks her, or tells her that they're dancing. Uh but no, it's not even actually before that happens. I think before he asks her to dance, she's just like, Oh, I love this song. Come on. And it's like this really grungy number. Mm. Like super grungy number that you wouldn't, I wouldn't have necessarily thought that a Cordelia type would like. No, no. What do you think, Cord- what would you expect? Okay, the year is 1997. What is Cordelia listening to? Oh, I just spilled wine everywhere. Before I spilled a, like about a half a bottle of wine on my carpet, um, I was asking what music you think Cordelia would have listened to in 1997. So, okay, my phone just fell. I'm going to look up, uh, do you remember uh, Fresh Hits? No. Uh, you'll certainly know like now, like now yeah. this is music. Yeah. Right. Okay, so Fresh Hits was like uh, one of these kind of like now compilations. Uh-huh. And I remember having the Fresh Hits 1997 compilation uh, and Fresh Hits 1998. Um, mm-hmm. And they would be something we listen to quite a lot in the house. So I'm going to look at Fresh Hits 1997 and... and look at some of the songs and the artists and we're going to discuss whether we think Cordelia would have liked that song. (laughs) Okay, so See You When You Get There by Coolio. How does that go again? I'll see you when you get there. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that I imagine Cordelia would have listened to, actually. It was like Pachelbel's canon. Yeah, yeah, that's Cordelia music. The next song is um, Everybody by the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, Cordelia like, would have loved that. She absolutely would have got down she, to that jam. She knows the dance routine. Yeah, like I could, if everybody but the Backstreet Boys came on with the bronze and she, I could see her being like, oh, I love this song, you know? Do you know the dance routine? God, though. No? What's that? Do you know the dance routine? I mean, not I, now, I thought the dance, the dance, the dance routine. Seven. Is it not just like being a zombie or something? Like, I... I I don't know. I feel like when I was seven, we maybe learned some Backstreet Boys dance routines. I know the Macarena, and I know Mambo Number no. Five. Okay. But I didn't know, oh, and I know the Saturday Night by Wigfield. I think we might have in school learned the dance routines to. I think we might have learned a dance routine to "I Want It That Way" by the Backstreet Boys. Is that not just like kind of putting your hands like sort of through the air slowly, as if you're like? I think it had like a little like like a little hip. Tra- Nick, it's difficult to show you over Zoom, but next time we're together. 
Okay, I'm not going to go through all these songs, but um, I believe I can fly by Or Kelly. Yeah, she would have. She would love. She would have loved that. Yeah. Like she would have had that at her wedding. Yeah. Uh, love fool by the Cardigans. Nah, she wasn't cool enough. No, exactly. Like that's come back around. Yeah, and yeah, now yeah. I think you know. Yeah, she wouldn't have got it. Too much of a banger for Cody Lee to appreciate. But apparently not, because the thing is, she doesn't fit our expectations. No, which is what what I like about her. Yeah. I yeah. like that we. I mean, I complained that we don't quite know who Angel is at this point, but I like that Cordy Glee is keeping us guessing. Um, so then all hell breaks loose. Big, big fights. Much to say about the big, big fight? Big, big fight. I'm just... Fights are never going to be the bit that I focus on, I don't think. I'm just not that into fights. Nah, I mean... I'm here for, like, the, the zingy one-liners. I'm here for, like, the <laughs> metaphorical monsters. I'm not really here for the big, big fights. Yeah, no, I mean, there's not a huge amount. It's fine. One thing I will say is um, there is uh, the female scream that I'm obsessed with. Uh, okay. So do you know about the Wilhelm scream? Ooh, that one. Well, I think the Wilhelm scream. The female, the Wilhelm screams the male scream, and I think it's quite like. That was a male scream. Oh. (laughs) 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 No, but he goes more like. Yeah, like it's like a weird kind of warbly. It's a really weird, weird warbly Mm. scream. Yeah, yeah. It's more of like a. Kind of scream. So there's like a female scream that's like not quite as famous but it's the one that i'm more familiar with because it's been in so many like shows i've watched and this and... is just like a scream sound effect that has been used again and again in lots of different things yeah like i feel like it might have even been used in maybe like psycho or something and it goes ah! Ah! oh okay okay um but whenever darla gets um holy water thrown in her face not holy soup um they they play this recording of that scream and it just like it kind of just makes me ask like how hard is it to do a scream yeah like is there no rights on paying for those ec- external screams or like, why did they not just get the actress who played darla to scream yeah what's the loudest you've ever screamed i don't know huh. oh last night i <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe it was. Last night I went downstairs to get a, a glass of water um in the dark with um no no shoes or socks on. And I don't know if you know this our house in Manchester has a slug problem, quite a bad slug problem. There's oh, a lot of slugs. I did not know this. Yeah, it's just like it's quite a damp house and like yeah, it's got a lot of slugs. Um and we don't really know what you do yeah the slugs are in the house we just like we don't see them but we see their trails in the morning they come out at night um i heard like a no i stood on something and i heard a noise and i turned the light on i had stood on a slug and it popped mm. and like just it, the inside of it had just come out oh and i screamed God. quite loud oh sorry i didn't realize it would be such a raw question <laughs> I've ever screamed, but I screamed pretty loud. And so, I didn't scream when it happened. I screamed when I saw what had happened when I turned the light on. I, I have. Uh, I have had to scream as an actor. As an actor when you were in your film. 
Well, something that's really funny about this is that, like, so in this part of the film, I was supposed to scream in a really desolate way, and I was like, we were filming out in the mountains, in this sort of basin in the mountains, and with, like, huge echoes and stuff. And the director just kept being like, louder, scream louder, you're desperate, just louder, no, you're desperate, you're like, it was all in Spanish, it's like, that desesperado, no. And, and I was kind of like resisting it a bit, and then eventually I was just like, fuck it, just like, you know, I'll never have this opportunity again to just be able to like totally commit to making this kind of noise, you know? Mm. So I screamed as loud as possible and I was like, help, please help me. And like, it was so loud, my whole body was vibrating and like this this sound was like um, uh, echoing through the entire like kind of mountain chain uh, for miles and miles around. And then they shut like, you know, cut and uh, then equally loud, I had to shout, it's okay, don't worry about it, I'm only acting, don't send help, because I was really worried, like, this wasn't, like, a big film production, this was, like, a tiny, like, oh, let's just go up to the mountains and shout it, and I was like, what if someone hears someone screaming this blood-curdling scream for their life, and, like, sends a helicopter or something, but what's really funny about it is that I actually screamed louder for that film than I did, like, whenever I had a car crash and I was in the middle of nowhere in the mountains and I had to scream for help. Like, <laughs> weirdly, I don't know why, but like, even something then, you back. something was holding me back, you know? <laughs> Just felt a bit tacky, you know? It felt a bit obvious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um... So, you know, bish, bash, bosh, they have a big fight. And, you know, Buffy wins. Yeah, Buffy wins. Saves the day. And uh, the last thing you see then is Angel outside. And uh, he's not helping. He's just hanging around outside like fucking useless piece of shit. And, uh, and he says... She did it. I'll be damned. I'll be damned. And I just thought, you will be damned. You will be damned. It's foreshadowing, right? That's what they call it. It's one of those things where they say something metaphorical and then it becomes literal. Exactly. And then then he like walks down the alley and when his head moves, you see that the sign behind him says, watch your step. (gasps) Watch your step, pal. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. You better watch your step, Angel, because me and Osh are watching you. Uh, and that's... So I think, are we agreed that the first couple of episodes are mostly exposition and first Yeah, pretty much. It's just like, hey, we're going to meet this like happy band of characters. Um, and I mean, to a large extent, the first episode of this podcast is very much the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this is an introduction to us. Um... Yeah, definitely we should encourage people to watch the episodes before we do all of our spoilers. We've done quite a lot of spoilers uh-huh. Um Yeah, I mean, yeah, it would help. Um, but also, look, I'm not going to apologise for spoilers for a TV show that's like 24 years old. <laughs> and I think people should grow up that's if fair. they're going to complain about that. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. Um, 
Of course, the last scene is Giles doing his whole, you know, the world is doomed thing. But I mean, uh, is there anything to say about it? So they're like, they're like being teenagers and he's like, the world is doomed. Do you know what he's doing? He's being very British. Uh, yeah. Because in this show, they just use British as like a byword for old. Old? (laughs) Which is just funny to me. And conservative. Not even like, cons- like just kind of technologically conservative. Like, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, just yeah. It's very, it's very old world, new world. Funny it's dirty. very old world, new world. You know, um, hmm. and uh, yeah, I think it's, it's it's interesting to see how that develops. But um, yeah. But yeah, we've got we've got lots of good stuff to to come. Uh, we've got. Uh, episode three next. I, I think yeah, three, three and. F- I'm looking forward to watching them grow and tracing their development as human beings. Ah, God, that goes such great places, and so will we. Through this podcast, you're going to see the two of us grow. We'll grow along and develop with them. as as human beings. And I mean, if that's not a tagline, I I don't know what is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's been nice patrolling with it you. It has. It has. We'll, we'll patrol again. Yeah, together. and until then, uh, whatever our catchphrase is going to be, this is the place that it will go. We'll, we'll add yeah, it after. We'll add it after. <laughs> or maybe we won't. <laughs> In post. But um, I think we can probably s- stop recording the podcast. <laughs>